Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 25 on Abraham giving up the ghost and giving up two burdens from his death, the burden of growing older and the burdens of trials and afflictions. Now, if you've been listening to the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor Monday through Friday, you've noticed that we've been announcing about our upcoming Summer Blitz Jewish Evangelism campaign, where we're trying to reach one million lost Jewish people with the gospel starting this May 9th, and we're heading out to 14 Jewish cities in the U.S. and Canada. It's our fourth year of doing this, and we want you to be a part of it with prayer and also with your support. First of all, with prayer, we have many missionaries that are going out. We've got 108 going out. We're trying to support 110 or more, and that's where we need your financial support. But we also want you to pray for these 108 missionaries or more that are going out. And we want to assign a missionary or two or three to you so you can constantly lift them up in prayer throughout this campaign on Monday, May 11th, all the way through August 3rd. This entire summer, we want you to be a part of supporting the Jewish people being evangelized through prayer, but also with your support, a support of any amount. You can donate online at IsraelRestoration.org, IsraelRestoration.org, or you can also donate at our main website for our radio program, FriendshipWithGod.org, FriendshipWithGod.org. Donate online. You can also become a monthly supporter with any amount. And we've got folks that support us for $5 a month, $10 a month, $100 a month, or $500 or more a month. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart to support Jewish evangelism, support us with prayer. You can be involved by signing up for our newsletter at friendshipwithgod.org, donating online at friendshipwithgod.org, or calling us directly to donate or to be a part of praying for our missionaries that are going out to the Jewish community. Our number, the call now or after the program, is 800 247-3051, 800-247-3051. Support Jewish evangelism through Israel Restoration Ministries, 800-247-3051. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. And another one of Abraham's days, 34 years before he died, Isaac was married. These are some of the notable days in the years of uh, Abraham, and the days of the years of the life of Abraham. See verse 7. But now all those days of Abraham's life are past. And when all those days are finished, then we come to verse 8, where it says, And Abraham gave up the ghost, died in a good old age, and was full of years, gathered to his people. See, the first word in verse 8 is very important. It's the word then. Because that word tells us that Abraham's life was lived out. Then tells us that Abraham had no more days. He had no more todays to live here on earth. And so he had reached his then. And we are all going to reach our then in life when all of our days are going to be lived out. As it says in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto men once to die. That's the then. But after this, the judgment. Job spoke of this being there's a predetermined number of our days. We don't know, but God knows. And so in Job 14.5, it says, Job says, seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee, thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. God says, there's this many days, you can't go beyond it. That's it. We don't know what number of days we'll have on earth, so we can't number forward, we can number backwards. But it's interesting that the older we get, the more we don't want to think about how old we are. (laughs) Because we all know the statistics, we all know the average lifespan for men and women. You know, just before my mother died, we got a copy of her birth certificate and showed it to her, and she was thrilled 
to find out that she was one year younger than she actually was. <laughs> she thought she was, I should say. Because we don't like to think about how close we're getting to that statistic, to the average lifespan. But you know, Moses, in his psalm, Psalm 90, he taught us to focus on that average lifespan and ask God to help us to think about how many days we have left till we reach that average lifespan. And he said that in Psalm 90, verses 10 through 12, the Psalm of Moses, when he said, the days of our years are threescore and ten, that's seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore, that's eighty. Yet is their strength with labor and sorrow, for it's soon cut off. We fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear? So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. See, Moses, in this psalm, he told us the average lifespan at his time was 70, and for the strong, it's 80, which is about the same as it is today, as it was 3,300 years ago. So much for modern medical advances to increase the lifespan. If we focus on how many days we have left on average, then we'll see the value of each day, and we'll focus on each day. Then we read in the end of his days that Abraham then, and then he gave up the ghost. Now, that's an interesting statement that Abraham gave up the ghost. I mean, we talk about this person expired. And when a person expired literally means to breathe out. Like inspire means to breathe in, expire means to breathe out. And that's what the Hebrew word gava means here as well. And if you were standing next to Abraham's bed there, that's exactly what you'd see. You'd see Abraham, he's breathing, he's having trouble breathing, he's having that trouble, an apnea breath, and then all of a sudden he breathes out his last breath. And that's what happens when anyone dies. They breathe out their last breath. And that's the first time, by the way, this phrase is used in the Bible, gave up the ghost. You see, the phrase gave up the ghost means more than he just physically stopped breathing. Because when it says that Abraham gave up the ghost, there are two questions that are raised. And the first question is, who did he give up the ghost to? And how did he give up this ghost? So who did Abraham give up the ghost to? He gave it back to God. Because Abraham, like us, he had his breath, his life from God. And so King Solomon explains death in this way. When King Solomon is describing what death is, he says in Ecclesiastes 12, 6, and 7, or ever, he says, the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. See, Solomon is describing death and the destruction to the body. He says, it's like a silver cord that just comes loose. He says, it's like a golden bowl that just that, that, that becomes broken. He says, it's like a pitcher, like we just saw about Rebecca with her pitcher of water by the well. It fell, it broke. He said, it's a wheel, like a grinding wheel. It's broken. He says, that's what death is. And he said, that's what happens to the body. Then the dust goes back to dust. But he said, the spirit, that goes back to God. God who gave it. So Abraham gave up his life to God who gave it to him. And Abraham knew that his life and his breath came from God. So when it was time for him to die, Abraham could have said, it's time for me to die. Here, Father, is the breath and life that you gave me. You know, Abraham could say, Father, thank you for giving this to me for these 175 years. It's been a great experience to have had from you this breath and life on earth. Father, while I had from you this breath and life on earth, I experienced a second life, a second birth, an eternal life. 
when you called me out of Ur of the Chaldees. Father, while I had from you this breath and life on earth, I experienced you through life as my shepherd and my constant friend. Now, Father, it's time for me to give you back the life and the breath on earth. And now it's time for me to come to you, my friend, to be with you forever. Father, I willingly give up my breath and life on earth to you. So what we see in that picture is an Abraham who did not hold on to his breath and life. He couldn't anyways. We don't see him with a clenched fist as if to say, you're going to have to force it away from me. I won't give it up. Just the opposite. We see an Abraham who willingly and happily gave up his breath and life into the hands of the Father of life. That's the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as he dies on the cross in Luke 23, 46, when he said, and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I command, I give my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. How could Abraham willingly and happily give up his breath and life on earth and face what many see as a a terrifying unknown future after death? Because it was what Abraham has spent his life learning In his life, Abraham had learned what it means to have God as your friend. In his life, Abraham had learned to trust God, his friend, for the unknown. In his life, Abraham had learned to calm his anxieties, calm his fears, calm his restlessness by knowing that God, his friend, was with him and was going to take care of him. Therefore, Abraham willingly and happily gives up the ghost to God, which is the answer to the second question, how did Abraham give up this ghost to God, willingly and happily? So when we read in verse 8 that Abraham gave up the ghost, we understand that when Abraham did that, he not only gave up the ghost, but he also gave up the burdens in this life. See, there are two burdens, two categories of burdens that made Abraham happy to give up the ghost, and they are, and the same for us, the burdens of growing old. And at 175 years, Abraham was glad to give up the burdens of old age. You know, as Pastor Jim used to say when he got old, getting old is not for sissies. <laughs> and then there are the burdens of the trials and the afflictions. And at 175 years old and six young children running around his house, he was glad to give all that up too. And Abraham, Abraham, see, when Abraham lived, he didn't live till the world was tired of him. Abraham lived till he was tired of the world. Abraham had had enough, and there was nothing in this world that he desired from it anymore. We'll return with Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, in just a moment. We want to encourage you to go and look at Tom Cantor's online bookstore, full of resources, many of them for free, some for purchase, including many resource materials on creation, dinosaurs, and many other wonderful topics through his Creation and Earth History Museum, which he has an online bookstore full of many, many resources that will help grow your friendship with God. Just go online to creationsd.org creationsd.org to our bookstore, or you can also find a link to it through our main website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also click donate at that same website, friendshipwithgod.org, to support this Bible teaching radio program staying on your station in your city so that we can continue airing and also offering free messages available at that same website, friendshipwithgod.org, all for free listening and free download. Support Friendship with God and Jewish Evangelism. And you can also call us directly now or after the program at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. 
3051. And for this reason, Abraham agreed with Paul, who said, we are confident, I, in 2 Corinthians 5.8, 2 Corinthians 5.8, we are confident, I say, willing to be, to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. See, the absent present in that verse of 2 Corinthians 5.8 makes me think when I was uh, at Emerson Junior High School in Los Angeles. And so recently, last week, a couple weeks ago, a group of us from our company were in Los Angeles, and it's right by the Mormon Temple. We were driving there, and I said, oh, there's the junior high I went to. And they said, oh, you want to go see him? I said, well, okay. And so we drove over there, and they asked me, now tell me, what do you remember about the school? And I said, well, the only thing I remember is the principal's office. <laughs> anyway, I also remember how the teacher would take roll call at the start of every class. And when your name was called, if there was no answer, then the teacher would write down absent on the roll call. But when I heard my name, when I heard Tommy, then I had to say here, and the teacher would write down present on the roll call list. I just picture an angel. Picture an angel like the teacher. He goes to the cave of Machpelah, where Abraham's body was with the roll call list in his hand, and he calls out Abraham's name. Abraham, there's no answer. So what does the angel do? He writes down absent. He's absent from the cave of Machpelah. Now the same angel, he goes to heaven where the Lord is, and he calls out Abraham's name, Abraham, and Abraham calls out here, and then the angel writes down present on the roll call. See, when we look at the angel's roll call list, we would say absent from the body, present with the Lord. And now in verse 8, we read the two words to describe what happened to Abraham, and died. You know, you can't read those words or experience that without there being a shock. Death is always a shock. It's a shock for even a friend of God of Abraham, that, he's, that he dies. He's got to die? Abraham's got to die? He's a friend of God. Why does he have to die? He has to die. David describes death in Psalm 89, verses 47 48, when he says, Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? Selah. See, when David looked at death, he says, everybody's going to have to face that. What man is he that liveth that shall not see death? And he looked at the grave, and David looks at the grave, and he sees, I see this big giant hand coming out of the grave, reaching for you, got you. No one can fight against that hand. As he said, shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? But the Lord Jesus Christ, he did something for that because he won the victory over death when it says in Psalm 49, 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. That's the hand. For he shall receive me. And then Psalm 30, verse 3. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. See, how God redeemed David's soul and our souls and saved us from the power of the grave and this hand and hell came at a great cost when God stepped into the fighting ring for us. And he fought death. And he talks about that in Hosea 13, 14 when he said, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. And that's why Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.10, but now manifest, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and brought light and immortality to light through the gospel. And that word abolished in the Greek means to pass away. In other words, he put death to death. And so in Isaiah 25.8-9, he says, he will swallow up. Death and victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from their eyes. And then it says, and it shall be said, Lo, this is our God. We've waited for him. He will save us. This is the Lord. We've waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. In that passage in Isaiah 25, 8 through 9, God uses the word swallow up. In the Hebrew, bala, it's the same word 
that's used to describe what happened to Korah and his whole house in Numbers 16.32 when it says the earth opened and swallowed them up. And the last part of that verse says we will rejoice in his salvation. That's the word Yeshua. So in other words, it says we will rejoice in his Jesus. In that passage in Isaiah, Paul picks up on that in 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. And he says, so when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall pull on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, when he uses that word, as swallowed up in victory, that's a Greek word that means to drown or to absorb away, like a cloth would absorb away liquid. It's gone. Or to drown. And so, by his own death, the Lord Jesus Christ makes our death to just drown away, be absorbed away. So when Abraham faced death, and when you and I face death, death came to Abraham, will come to us, and will say to us, I have a sting for you. I have a victory over you. And in that time, threatened by death, Abraham, in that time, threatened by death, us, looks to the Lord Jesus Christ and says, what do I do now? And then the Lord says to Abraham at his death, and the Lord will say to us, here, here's my death on the cross. Here, here's my resurrection from the grave for you. Take it now. This is your victory over the death that's threatening you. And then Abraham does that. And we'll go into that battle also, and we'll see that. And he looks squarely in the face of death, and he repeats the word of Paul. O grave, where's thy victory? O death, where's thy sting? And that's how Abraham faced death, in victory. And that's how we'll face death, in victory. Abraham had to die. He was a great friend of God. He had to do it. Great friends of God have to die. Great friends of God are not exempt from death. Moses was a great friend of God's, but Moses had to die. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. But God takes a great interest in the death of those he has cleansed by his blood. As it says in Psalm 116, verse 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. He loves the sight. He loves the sight. Why does he love the sight? Does he love to see a person writhing in pain, terrified with the future, trying to use it, clawing with their fingernails so there's like blood, trying anything but death? That's not what happens. That's not what happens. Instead, God gives peace. God gives assurance. God gives victory. And he looks down on that, and he sees a totally different picture of a person with the assurance of the cross, with the assurance of the resurrection, with the assurance that Christ took the sting for us, and he sees peace that comes over. And he looks at that side and he says, that's precious to me. That's precious. That's how Abraham died. Just as God promised he would die peacefully in, in Genesis 15, 15, thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace and thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Abraham died in peace. It reminds me of the person who said, when I die, I want to die like my grandfather in peace in my sleep and not like all those other people screaming in the car with him. <laughs> so, verse 8. Give me the three verbs in verse 8. Gave up, died, gathered. See, those three verbs are important for us because they describe three events that took place. Two of those events were seen. The third was not seen. See, two of those events were seen. What were they? The first one gave. Abraham gave up the ghost. Everybody with Abraham saw Abraham breathe out his last breath, and he says, it's gone. He stopped breathing. He gave up his last breath. He gave up the ghost. They saw that. That was an observable event. Number two, died. 
Abraham died. Everybody who was with Abraham, they saw him die. After he breathed out his last breath, they saw his eyes roll back. They felt his pulse stop. They felt his body become cold, eventually stiff. They all know Abraham died. He died. That was an observable event. They saw that. Abraham, number three, was gathered to his people. This third event of being gathered to his people was just as real as the first two events, but it was not seen. It was not seen. Because Abraham left his body and went to his people. See, the word people refers to more than one person. And in the cave of Machpelah, where Abraham's body was buried, there was just one body there, Sarah's body. So if that phrase, gathered to his people, was referring to where his body was buried, then it wouldn't use the term people, because it was just Sarah that was buried in the cave. But the fact that the word people is used to refer to Abraham being gathered to his people, shows us it's not referring to where his body was. See, the way verse 8 is is written, Abraham gave up the ghost, he died in a good old age, he was gathered to his people. It's so matter-of-fact. You ever notice that? It's like so matter-of-fact. You know, it doesn't start off and say, now wait a minute, folks. Well, the Bible doesn't say folks, but anyway, the Bible doesn't say, wait a minute. The Bible doesn't say, there is life after death. There's no statement like that. It's sort of -of matter-of-fact. He gives up the ghost, he dies, he's gathered to his people. He expires his last breath, gathered to his people. The fact of being gathered to his people is stated in such a matter-of-fact manner. There's no special emphasis on it. It shows the Bible does not put emphasis or assert life after death, as if we need a special emphasis or assertion that there's life after death. The Bible does not specifically emphasize or assert that there is life after death. The Bible assumes that there is life after death. That's why it's written in such a matter-of-fact way. The careful reader of the Bible will pick up on verse 8 and all throughout the Bible this assumption that there is life after death. Because the Bible doesn't go out of its way to make these special statements, there is life after death. And if you look carefully at verse 8 and you see that Abraham was gathered to his people, then you can see how the Bible teaches life after death by assumption. And seeing the Bible's assumption that there's life after death is what the Lord Jesus guided the Sadducees to see by seeing just the tense of the verb, the present tense of the verb, when God said to Abraham, more than 400 years after Abraham died, I am the God of Abraham, in Matthew 22, 31-33, but it's touching the resurrection of the dead. Have you not read that which was spoken unto you? by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You've got to look. It's an assumption, but you've got to see it. So to refer to life after death, the Bible says he was gathered to his people. It's the same thing that God meant in Genesis 15, 15, when he told Abraham, you're going to come to your fathers. The same thing as meaning, and the Bible says, lie with the fathers. And as we said, it's not referring to where their bodies were buried. Moses was buried in some desolate hillside where there was nobody. Solomon was buried. He was the first one buried in Solomon's tomb. Should be the person in Solomon's tomb. And it was said that he was with his fathers in 1 Kings 11.43. David was buried in David's tomb with his fathers. Abraham was gathered to his fathers life after death. We look forward, as Abraham did, to life after death. And as a matter of fact, life after death for us is to be what the Bible calls for us. This is our aim. This is our goal. It's to be in Abraham's bosom. Because in Luke 16, 22, it says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, this hope that we have because the Lord Jesus Christ went into a hopeless place of desolation, of being forsaken by God, 
And because he emerged out, because, it was, because you did not suffer him to seek corruption, you raised him from the dead, we thank you, Lord, that therefore we have hope in our death. In Jesus' name, amen. Another great day of studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. If you're enjoying this Bible teaching radio program and growing in your friendship with God, we need your support. So please donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, and your donation helps to support many of the free resources that we have at friendshipwithgod.org. Lots of teachings from Tom Cantor, all available free, as well as his bookstore is there with some things available for purchase. And we've also got messages from Tom Cantor available for free listening and free download, all at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also call us directly at 800-247-3051 for more information. 800-247-3051. Now, we'd also like to encourage you to contact us if you'd like to pray for our upcoming Summer Blitz campaign, our Jewish evangelism campaign, trying to reach over 1 million lost Jewish people in 14 Jewish cities in the U.S. and Canada this summer from Monday, May 11th, all the way through August 3rd. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism and the gospel going to the Jew first, please call us at 800-247-3051. We need your support and your prayers. We're sending out 108 missionaries. We need support to try to send out 110. Please support this campaign. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. And help the gospel to go to the Jew first as well as the Gentile. 800-247-3051. Or for more information, go to IsraelRestoration.org. IsraelRestoration.org or Friendship with God. Please call us at 800-247-3051.